Welcome to the Mina Surge podcast, the ultimate source for all things Web3 and fintech related in the Mina region. Powered by Fintech Surge and Future Blockchain Summit, taking place at Dubai Harbor, October 15th through 18th, alongside Expand North Star and in association with Jitex Global. Joined today by Sunil Senapati. Did I, did I pronounce that right? And you're the CEO of XDC Trade Network. And I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to go ahead and introduce yourself and introduce, you know, what is XDC Trade Network? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me first. Well, XTC Trade Network is a, you know, is a complete suite of uh, DAP built on XTC Network, which is a EVM compatible network, which has been around since 2019. So what we are doing in this DAP is we are trying to redefine the global trade financial industry by digitizing the entire process, you know, working closely with our ecosystem. So there's a lot to unpack uh, in terms of telling what we do, but uh, we are in the space of trade. Uh, and and uh, we are looking at, uh, you know, bringing in some industry first solutions so that uh, the trade participant can actually benefit a lot from there. Okay, great. So, so really, I mean, like you said, digitizing the entire, um, the entire process, I guess you could say, and, and this is specifically around blockchain or is it sort of, you know, in the fintech space as well? Yeah, so, 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 you know, we are in 21st century and you'll be surprised to know that uh, trade even today is done uh, super help uh, with uh, using paper documents. So uh, it, to put some number into perspective, uh, the trade value, global trade value is around $30 trillion. And uh, most of it is done using uh, documents which are moving from one country to another. Yeah, you know, international trade is uh, very complex. Every country would seek to improve their broader compliance uh, for import and export uh, because there are goods which are restricted in their country and their approvals done uh, by five entities inside the country and which could be different in another country. And a document has to move from one country to another. So there has to be multiple standards which goes on. So. Reliance on paper becomes an easy way because paper can be stamped and signed and it will look original at least so that the jurisdiction which are receiving them will consider them as an original and then move on. So that's how historically, if I may say a few centuries, we have been using paper. So you have the paper, you are rightful owner of the cargo. So that's how, uh, you know, man is used to the comfort of paper. But that is getting a, a, a changed. So new new way of, you know, the world has come to a consensus where, hey, this is 21st century. We have been still cutting trees for trade. Let's let's stop this. Let's use new technology available and uh, move to uh, electronic documents. And, and in fairness, electronic documents have been around for a very long time in many other industries. It has been used. It is also used in trade, but it's just that acceptance of uh, legal acceptance in every jurisdiction is required before you start actually uh, making these companies, those who are involved in trade, to start you know, sending and receiving electronic documents. So for those of you, those who don't understand uh, trade, uh, you know, blockchain provides a very good solution to digitize trade because uh, you once, okay, so what are we trying to replicate? So I mean, just trying to give some more background here for you. If Steve, I am sending you some documents, and if they are PDF documents, 
after I give you the document, I still have the copy. So if mm -hmm. I can do something with those copies, then that is not the best representation of trade documents. So in, in currently what is happening, when you have a paper document, you send them by courier to Steve. So you in Dubai will receive the documents. I don't have these documents anymore. So that's how I move from giving my control of documents to you. So what we are trying to achieve that and how are we going to achieve that in, in blockchain is I transfer the title of documents to you. Yes, I will continue to have a copy of the document, but the title of the document is transferred to you and only you with that electronic copy will be able to do the next step. So right. um, we have carefully seen the various nuances of trade, the process, and then come up with a solution which is replicating the actual paper movement itself. That, that, that makes total sense. I mean, we, we've definitely seen the cases where uh, one person has one document, the other person has another document that says something completely different around the same exact thing, right? So different signatures, different verbiage, different lines in the document itself. And now it's just a matter of, well, whose document do we accept? Because we have different versions of the same thing. Um, so this is actually a way to kind of mitigate that is to say, well, once I give you that document, no longer do I have a different version, V1, V2, V3, final, final V2. <laughs> we actually just have one document that's moving from one ownership to another ownership. And that's the document that you know sort of advances through. You almost got it right, I must say. Almost got it right. <laughs> okay, cool. You should come and work for us now. Uh, maybe I will. Maybe I will if uh, the events industry doesn't <laughs> doesn't pan out, which I'm sure obviously it will. Um, so, so what are some of the, the data standards that XDC is following uh, to improve this process? Yeah, great question. So, you know, if if I have to, okay, let's take an example. If from Singapore, mm -hmm. I need to send you documents. Let's say you're you're based in London and you're receiving the electronic document. So we have to make sure that the data set I have are easily uh, accepted by the authorities in your country. So I can't be you know, sending you something which is my standard, but not your standard. So ICC, which is International Chamber of Commerce, has a division which is, uh, you know, uh, which is setting the standards. So what uh, they have something called DSI, which is the, you know, Digital Standard Initiative which is coming up with a data set for every trade documents. So let's say you have a bill of lading. So bill of lading has a 30 or data sets, which must be there in that document. And then it becomes easy for me to send it to you. And then all the data set can be consumed by you in your country, and you can send it to various authorities for their consumption. So we are strictly following what ICC is guiding and the entire data set in our solution is following the DSI standard. Great. And would you say that that is one of the obstacles that uh, you know modern technology is sort of facing when it comes to who accepts these uh, kind of the new age of information versus who is still stuck on on the paper? Um, I know that you know we've experienced the same thing that now uh, we're moving towards like let's say a digital passport, which is great. You know you don't have to worry about losing your passport things like that. But then, um, you know, you go to airports and some airports may not understand what you mean when you say that your visa is not actually stamped as a piece of paper in your passport, but it's digital. And to them, it seems like, well, you just don't have 
that visa? How are you telling me that it's digital and we've never seen it before? Um, would you say that that's one of the obstacles that you face? Well, you know, uh, you said it right. But then uh, let's take back uh, to your the first part of your question. Actually, technology was never the problem. You know, mm-hmm. uh, technology exists uh, for 20 years now uh, to move electronic information from one place to another. The, sure. the place where we were struggling was standardizing these data sets. So what now industry has come to a consensus is, okay, so these are the 30 data sets we need for one particular type of document. So that took a bit of a time. And now we are having the technology and now we have the standards. Now with this two combining, we are able to send and receive these documents freely between two different uh, jurisdictions. Great. I mean, that, that makes a whole lot of sense, I guess. That just makes it easier to move the technology forward and it kind of makes it every you know, easier for everyone else and and improves the entire process, I guess you could say. Um, so so in, in this whole process, how is KYC done? Which is, I guess is a know your client, correct? Yes, so, so it's very important that when we are doing a cross-border trade, uh, there's also cross-border money movement. And we have to ensure that uh, the trade for which two parties are interacting, the money movement is also tied up to that. So there are multiple way we need to do KYC. So the first KYC is, okay, the way we have designed our solution is, uh, look, we are a facilitator of trade between a buyer and seller, but we by no means are, you know, having the capability to do a KYC on somebody. So what we do is we have signed up with a digital custodian. Uh, here we work with Singapore. There's a custodian called Propine who are licensed by MAS. So central bank in Singapore has licensed this digital custodian to onboard borrowers and lenders. And once they have done the KYC using those credentials, they will be able to log on to our application and go about doing their business. So this is what we are implementing. So this makes our job much easier. So we sign up with partners, those who have clear expertise on certain things, and we use them for that particular expertise. So let's say if you have to use our solution, you need to do a KYC uh, with this digital custodian who is regulated by uh, MAS. Uh, in this question, it is uh, Singapore, so we go by MAS guidelines. So once you clear the KYC, we know who you are. And then mm-hmm. we start you know, bringing you up with other parties. Those are also done KYC. And then the parties will start interacting with each other and do business. Well, that, that sounds that sounds like a lot. It sounds like a, a, a big process with a lot of uh, checks and balances in place, which I guess makes it you know safer and easier and more transparent for everybody. Um, how much of this process is manual? How much is automated? Is it completely automated? Uh, is AI uh, involved in some of these uh, checks? Um, you are. You will be surprised. It doesn't take much time. You know. Yes, uh-huh. when you go to uh, in, a, in a country, you go and try opening a bank account, it always is a long process. But uh, surprisingly, since this is a custodian who is, uh, you know, it's a new digital entity, the, the setting up of their accounts and KYC is actually a couple of days process, not, not beyond that. So it's, it's a pretty easy to onboard. 
And one more uh, comforting factor we have done is we have also integrated our solution with uh, Glyph. So Glyph is an organization which provides a legal entity identifier. Now that becomes a very easy way to do KYC on someone as well. So um, yes, so Glyph is a, is a new standard which is getting implemented across multiple countries, but having it, again, this is also coming from the direction of ICC. Having Glyph spelled out, the uh, legal entity, LEI, legal entity identifier spelled out in KYC. So when you get to know my company and my company's name and the address and LEI registration number, then actually you can go online and check whether this company is indeed that company. Because there are many a times you deal with somebody, name might sound same, but the company might be different or a bad actor would replicate company's name by changing a few here and there words and try to, you know, uh, try to gain the advantage of that popular company. So all of that happens. So, so to, to circumvent that, uh, we have done this uh, KYC in place. Okay, great. And I can imagine with $30 trillion in trade volume, there's definitely quite a few of those bad players that want to, to get their hands on that without mm -hmm. necessarily uh, you know, being legitimate. Um, how are fraud and compliance uh, being checked by XDC? Well, you know, there are bad actors in every, every field and uh, you know, trade is uh, no different. Uh, what we also do is once the KYC is done, we know who is who, mm -hmm. then comes the actual transaction. So let's say I'm sending you uh, a container full of soya bean uh, from Singapore to London. Now, for my cargo to go to your place, I need to make sure that uh, my transaction, which is what is in the container, is it sanitized? It is certified. It is, there are multiple agencies providing you certificate. So um, let, me, let me just take a step back and just give you what exactly the product does. So we are doing two things in our solution. So XTC Trade Network brings end-to-end -end, uh, digitization of trade documents. So any document used in a trade can be digitized using our product. And how are we digitizing it? There is a standard we follow, which is coming from ICC. There is a utility which has been developed by Singapore government uh, authorities, uh, IMDA is an Infocom Media Authority. So what IMDA has done is I've created a trade trust as a utility, which clearly gives you a prescription how a data must be created, how a data must be stored, how it can be endorsed, and how it can be transferred. So this is all about rights of a document. So this is integrated into XTC network, which is the you know, which is a protocol itself. Now, what we do is we create these documents on our solution, which is a document layer where we create these documents. Once these documents are created, we provide funding for these documents. So this is the second functionality, which is very, very, you know, required functionality. So as mm -hmm. I told you, the trade around trade is around 30 trillion. Roughly, uh, the latest report from ADB, which is uh, Asian Development Bank, they recently announced as early as I think last week, is around about trade deficit of two and a half trillion dollars, which means wow. two and a half trillion worth of trade is not getting materialized because there is no capital. And why there is no capital? 
there are many reasons why there is not enough capital available, but the key reason for not getting capital is primarily these requests are coming from SME. And banks, when they look at SME, unfortunately, the trade finance has always been uh, with the balance sheet of a company who is requesting for trade finance is never for that particular trade. So you see where this is going. The guy who's asking for money, they look at their balance sheet, they look at in past what he has done and how big this company is, and they provide trade finance. I, I would say this is not the best way to extend finance to somebody. What we are doing, we are changing the game itself. If if a party is coming and seeking for finance, we see this request is backed by what documents. If the documents we have, which clearly proves there is a ship, there's a cargo, and the cargo is loaded into the ship and it is going to a buyer who is also done KYC. So it's a very clear indication that there is an actual shipment happening. And all of this data is created on our solution and verified and can be transferred to the one who is actually providing liquidity. So you see where we are going from for this. We are basically uh, bringing a very clear visibility to the entire trade. And this visibility is offered to you through a very reliable source and in such a manner that these documents also can be transferred from one party to another party. And that way, absolute visibility to the trade happens on our solution. So now back to your question, how do we ensure <laughs> that there is a compliance? You know, I, I know I'm, I'm trying to un unpack too many no, things. No, no, it's fine. I mean, this is, a, is, is very, very good because you're, you're very, explaining very clearly uh, something that isn't necessarily clear. I mean, I'm not in the, the trade industry per se, so uh, this is all super interesting to hear all of the different standards that need to be, you know, kind of checked and balanced in order to make a trade. And there's $30 trillion in trade, so all of this is extremely necessary. So it's super interesting to hear. Um, and I can just listen to, you know, all of the things that go into this industry all day. Thank you. I'm glad you sure. said that. So, so now let's look at a trade. So I, I gave you the background, what the solution does and so on. So now we go back to our soybean trade, which is happening from Singapore to London. And now uh, we need to ensure that there is no, while I'm saying I'm shipping soybean, but I'm actually shipping something else. Or maybe I have the container only half filled and the half is not there so that the guy who is buying might get only half of the committed uh, amount. So, of course, there are cases of willful fraud, which you and I cannot stop. But if there are additional documents required by the inspecting authorities or by knowing that from which source this soya bean was procured, was it procured in the right manner? Because these days ESG awareness is on rise. And this is where we deploy artificial intelligence to ensure that there is enough information out there which we are able to compute and say that, hey, this corridor from Singapore to London is actually not known for soya bean movement. It is actually known more for electronic goods movement. You know, I'm just giving an example. So there will be ways to check on a particular type of shipment. And then you also declare at what cost the soya bean is being sold and purchased. So there is a pricing for the corridor. Then there is a sanction information. You know, what are the type of ships which is carrying this document, uh, carrying this cargo? So we 
have access to plenty of shipping data and sometime even the movement of ship if a ship is supposed to reach uh, point a to point b in 30 days then in the 15th day the ship should be in this place so we constantly deploy iot data to ensure that the movement of ship is happening at the speed at which it should happen so that's another way of getting that information so that the compliance is getting checked uh, periodically so so what what XCC Trade Network is trying to do is not to rebuild the whole technology which has been built for the last 20, 30 years. We are tying up with the right partners. There are parties which are working on port. I just had a morning with somebody who is doing custom declaration. I mean, they specialize in custom declaration. We don't want to build that whole ourselves. <laughs> we will just sure. partner with the company and we'll ensure that that piece of document and the entire services is provided to anybody who's on board, uh, you know, using XCC Trade Network. So uh, I, 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 I'm a practitioner. I do this for a living. So I have to basically look at every process, every document, how can we provide a minimum tick, minimum click, so that uh, these processes are introduced into our solution. And it makes uh, it smoother for anybody who wants to do trade uh, digitalization or uh, get capital for their trade. Um, great, great, great. That, that makes total sense. Um, I mean, like it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very involved process, um, to, to make all of this happen. Is, is there a lot of, uh, competitors for XDC? Is, is this a unique solution that we should expect to see, you know, carried out across the entire $30 trillion of trade, or is this something that, uh, you potentially have others doing similar things? Um, no, actually, it's a great question. And actually, we touched upon this in the beginning, why mm -hmm. we were using paper all the time. So one reason was, yes, uh, the countries were not coming together and accepting to use electronic documents. So now what is happening is there's a movement happening. So electronic uh, records are getting accepted. So what basically, so there's a new term which you will hear a lot, which is M-L-E-T-R which is a model of electronic uh, transferable record. So what it basically means is if you have a piece of paper, which is a certificate or a piece of electronic paper, if you go to court, both will have the same standing. That is just to for a layman to understand. So uh, there are seven countries, those who have accepted electronic transferable record they have enacted that in their jurisdiction, which means paper or electronic has the same legal footing. Now, seven countries, Bahrain is the first one, and then there are many other countries. Singapore is one of them, the, and Abu Dhabi is also one of them. So these countries will actually be able to receive electronic documents and clear the cargo. Now, the big elephant is now UK is joining as well. And they are going to be signing English law is changing on the 20th of September. So once that happens, and you know English law is used, 60% of global trade finance is done based on English law. Now, mm -hmm. what basically is going to be a game changer is every country which is doing trade will look at this development and think, hey, why should we not look at changing our law? Right? Why can't we start accepting electronic documents as well? So 20th September is a big day in our calendar. Once this gets signed up, then we are looking at multiple corridors. So Singapore 
is already signed up. Now, once UK signs this up, then these two countries can trade. And there's no need for sending and receiving any paper documents. All, everything 100% can be digital. So you see there will be more and more corridors and, and, and France is watching very closely. They are likely to sign this up in October. Germany is going to follow. There's a lot happening in the US as well. Australia has already done some pilots. So there are many countries, those who are actually watching this development. Now, when slowly this is happening, our solution is very timely. You asked me about the competition. Where we don't see anybody competing with us is we are trying to uh, manage this end to end, which means providing a technology, providing an application, and providing the entire support mechanism to do end to end services for digitizing trade and financing them as well. So that's what we're trying to bring. And by no way we can do everything ourselves. So existing companies, those who are in bits and pieces doing some of the functions can actually tap in and work with us. So we are we are kind of uh, trying to become like an Amazon, trying to do the entire end to end into the in the providing the trade services. Yeah, great. So, um, I mean, definitely with all those countries opening up, uh, it seems like XTC Trade Network is really about to take off um, by the end of this year, I would say. Um, would you say that, uh, I mean, not would you say, but the countries that accept uh, the digital documents, are they still allowed to trade with digital documents for countries that don't accept it? Or is it kind of exclusive between countries that accept it and other countries that accept it? Um, no, actually, it, it's like having a new version of your software. The old old version still works, so you could continue to trade paper as well. But just that if I have a way of sending you an email, would I be sending you a, a letter and post it? <laughs> Maybe not. I will start sending you emails. So I think I think that answers my question. But where the convenience is coming and where it is going to take off is, let's say, we take another corridor like India and UK, all right? So a lot of export happens from India to UK and documents are getting received in UK. So if they have signed up to receive electronic documents, then, you know, this corridor, which is exports from India, but imports in UK, that corridor will start functioning. Yeah, India has already done a one pilot and they are also closely watching. There were some good information was coming from the G20, which recently concluded. So most likely India should be joining as well by 2024, hopefully, or maybe uh, before that itself. So uh, the old method can still continue, but digital movement documents will make it more efficient. So I don't think any country would like to be left behind. It's, it's a matter of, uh, you know, making those changes. But that's that's a challenge as well. It's not just, uh, making a legislative change. There's, there's a lot of change management which has to happen inside a country. They need to have their various authorities, the ports, the customs, the, the chamber of commerce, there are many parties, those who are inspecting, uh, receiving documents, filing it, keeping it for the future reference and so on. Everything has to change. So that's how I see that as a roadblock or maybe a slow burner you know some some process will take longer some countries will take longer and people have uh, their own uh, what do you call strategy towards digitizing multiple things so they might have some 
uh, roadmap for digitizing certain process today, but certain things can be kept for tomorrow. But hey, look, this is trade. Uh, this is, uh, you know, countries are competing with each other for business, so they would not like to be left behind. So this will definitely attract the attention of the policymakers and everybody will like to be digital as early as possible. Great. And and so I'm hearing you say a lot of, you know, like uh, UK is about to come on board, India is about to come on board, Germany is about to come on board. Whenever we're talking about these specific countries accepting um, these digital documents, who is the one that specifically is the one that says, yes, I'm ready to come on board? Is it a, a chamber of trade? Is it the, like the Senate or like how high up does it go before they say, okay, this is the person that makes this decision? Now, okay, so a country accepting electronic trade documents is basically once it is included into their legislation, it, it's, it's once it has become a law, a law, now, okay. Yeah, it, it has to be. It has to be agreed at that level that it should become a law. Once it is accepted as a law, it's not only for trade for any other electronic documents. You know, uh, these days contracts are signed digitally. They are signed digitally because digital signatures are accepted by corporates, and they agree that we'll accept digital document. But trade is a little different because there is a litigation involved. There is there is so many financial implication involved. There are so many things involved and most of the time it is cross-border. So the law should, there should be a space for law to accept that electronic document and then electronic documents can be consumed by multiple authorities in a country. So it has to go high up there for that to become a law. Once that becomes a law, then that country will be able to accept electronic documents. Sure. So I guess uh, that that's a pretty big challenge as well. And um, I would say it, it's, it's a challenge for you, but it's also a barrier to entry for any competition is that, hey, we need to, to make sure these laws are changed. And unless you're going to change laws in countries, then uh, it's going to be very hard for you to do what we've done. Um, and then, of, of course, you mentioned another challenge is, you know, the growing, growing pains, uh, just sort of change management. What other challenges do you see? Well, you know, um, the, the key challenge I see is, uh, you know, adoption to new thing in a law uh, takes its own time. So this might be a very time consuming process. Now, you know, paper is working for hundreds of years. So why change that? That, that will be always a question the lawmaker will ask. Uh, but there are far too many benefits uh, to one. One can actually enjoy by going digital. I mean, of course, uh, we're going to spare a lot of trees here, but other than that, uh, there's so much of visibility, there's so much reduction of fraud, there's so much speed at which things can be done. You'll be surprised to know there's anywhere between 10 to 20% of cost gets uh, spent on these documentation. Uh, wow. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a lot of money wasted. Uh, you know, I'll give you a simple example, uh, like again, sending something from Singapore to London. Uh, ship took 20 days to reach, let's say, for example. Sometime document also goes through multiple parties. They don't go point A to point B. It's not the seller sending the document to the buyer. The seller sends it to his bank and the bank sends another bank and then it goes to the... So there are multiple courier happening there and there are sure. Saturdays and days involved and so on. 
what many a times happens is a ship has already reached the destination, but the document has not come. So the oh, wow. buyer it doesn't have the document to produce. So what happens next? There is a demerit charges which the buyer or seller is paying, which is a daily penalty mm -hmm. for not picking up your cargo on time. So you see, this is a business cost, and and so much money goes waste in in paying demerit charges, and this helps nobody because it there's a congestion in the port, and then there's actual cargo waiting outside the uh, berth, which is uh, need to be unloaded, and it creates a lot of havoc for the logistics as well. So sure. back to challenges. Yes, uh, there are there are countries making note of these uh, developments, and they are planning to have this adopted, but there is that much they can do because prior to making it a law, they will consult the entire, they'll keep a stock of where we are in terms of other solutions. Are we ready? Can our authorities all comply to electronic documents and so on? So there will be uh, some delays uh, certain countries to join in, but we are moving in the right direction. Yeah, sure. And and as you mentioned that and all the different authorities that it has to pass through, and I'm sure that there's fees for each authority that you have to pass through and, and you know everybody wants, you know, kind of their little uh you know processing fee or share of the pie. Is that a, a challenge as well? That maybe some of these authorities don't want to give up that function because they actually are able to charge fees. Um, as you mentioned, if twenty percent uh you know goes towards these fees, then somebody's earning 20 percent uh, is it going to be difficult to convince these authorities to to give up that function of their um their department uh no no the fees this 20 10 to 20 percent as high is not actually the fees the fees you'll be surprised there are many a document which passes through there's hardly any fees it's okay. the time consumed turns into a fee it, it's 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 sure. a total cost a number of people involved in watching a document. You know, when a document gets presented in a bank for a trade finance, there are hundreds of people in, in the trade finance team trying to eyeball the trade documents. You see, this team of 100 people can be reduced to a smaller number. So that's the saving there. So it is, it's, it's not that authorities are making a fee out of it. No, no, it's not like that. It's basically the resources required, the time it takes, that results in the business uh, expense. So that's where it is uh, becoming not very cost effective to be doing things on paper. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. So it's you're really actually saving 10 to 20 percent, uh, you know, with these processes, which is great and time and security and kind of everything else that you would ask for and the trade network in general. Um, so th that was amazing. I mean, that, this is definitely something that, uh, you know, in my years of being in the blockchain industry, um, I have not been very exposed to, you know, trading to actual physical trades. Uh, of course, crypto trading and NFT trading is, is something that we talk about a lot, but physical trading is something that's new to us. And uh, it seems like a very interesting use case for uh, blockchain technology. And, and I'm glad that we have XDC as a strategic partner at Future Blockchain Summit to make sure that these use cases are addressed and are being showcased to the world. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about the XDC Trade Network at Future Blockchain Summit. As I mentioned, you guys are a strategic sponsor. Um, you know, what can we expect to see from XDC at the Future Blockchain Summit? 
Yeah, so um, I'm glad you asked this question because see, uh, XDC network is having multiple solutions and they are they've gone global in, in many places. And there was also, you know, I get asked many questions that, okay, where are you guys, XDC trade network, where are you based? We are based in Singapore, but we have business interests in all the countries because trade is always global. Our solution can be used by anybody. So at this blockchain summit, we will be exhibiting some of our uh, new solutions which has come up recently, and uh, we'll explain how exactly these solutions are making a difference. Now, one key, I mean, for someone who doesn't understand trade a lot, uh, basically have to understand one thing. How are we able to use blockchain in the trade? And how are we financing them? So one, once we create the entire set of documents, we are bringing a good visibility of the actual trades and we are able to verify them and we are able to transfer them. Now, when the transfer of document is happening, we can actually transfer the money as well. So this is where we do atomic swap. So again, this is beautifully done using blockchain technology, like document moves from my end to the buyer's end and the buyer ends, the money comes to my account. So all of this happens click of buttons instantly. So the settlement can be done 24 seven, any day, any time. So this takes away all the friction in the market and cross border settlement can be done faster. So this is one benefit we want to show. So likewise, we have many other solutions, which I don't want to take the thunder from these, uh, you know, respective solutions which are upcoming, but idly we'll be showcasing all the new solutions which are coming up on XTC network. Amazing. And I know that you're, you're, um, now, you are familiar with uh, blockchain events. You, you've been all over the world uh, exploring blockchain events. What are you excited to see specifically about Future Blockchain Summit in Dubai? Um, I will attend that for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have a busy week in Singapore this week as well. We have Cyboss. Uh, sorry, not Cyboss. Cyboss is next week. It's going to be, again, a crazy week for me in Canada next week. Uh, this week, uh, we are having Token 2049. Again, XTC uh, Network has a booth, and we are exhibiting some of our solutions here. Um, uh, looking forward to Dubai, and, uh, you know, uh, and there are many business partnerships people are exploring with us, and we are looking forward to forming new partnership, uh, technology, function, uh, all kind of partnership we are open to. So looking forward to the blockchain event in Dubai as well. Amazing. And, and we're excited to have you, like I said, a strategic sponsor. Uh, we're really excited to have XDC come on board. Um, remember us at Dubai Harbor this year, which is brand new for us, brand new for you guys. Um, October 15th through 18th at Dubai Harbor alongside Expand North Star. So it, it's really going to be a great time. It's a completely revamped uh, version of the show. Um, separated from Jitex, but still powered by Jitex Global, which, as I'm sure you know, is the largest tech event in the world. Uh, so so we're really excited about what's happening in October, and we're really excited about the seeing you, Sunil. Uh, I only, there are many ways to explain Dubai, but incredible is one word I would like to use. You guys do everything on a mega scale. Looking forward to it. Great. Sounds good. See you then. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for your time.